that I came to know about you only about a week back, and because of you, I missed my sadhana for last two days. Okay. Because I've been watching your uh, YouTube videos for about midnight, over midnight, and a uh, lot of things I know you have in you that you want to share, but you have not shared. So uh, I have a few questions, and very shocking about Sanskrit missing by one vote about Devdutt Patnaik. So many things you know I came to know. Uh, I have actually two questions. And so can I say one thing before I forget? I want everybody's email IDs and yours because I have a list I'll put you on for discussion purposes. We cannot take all the questions today, but the thing I want you to do is if you give me your email ID, I'll put you in my discussion. And it's like a satsang, an online satsang. You know, we have, uh, we have 5,000 members and every day people are asking questions and I'm giving answers and others giving response. So it's, a, it's on these very topics uh, online. So please ask the question, but the other items you're doing. And now is there a uh, sign-up sheet going around? Mamtaji? Is there a sign-up sheet? Okay, so the sign-up sheet is going around. You, you must sign up. All I need is your ID. I don't need phone number, address or anything, just your email ID. I so my specific question is basically, uh, you'll talk a lot about uh, Abrahamic religion, especially about Christianity. Uh, maybe it's because you're from US. Uh, is it that uh, the danger of Islam is less in India? Uh, we know the socialist and secular is itself a problem in India for whatever reasons. And similarly, uh, where I actually struggle is with the Advaita versus Dvaita philosophy. Uh, within Hinduism itself, which is probably you know a bone of contention, especially this Advaita Dvaita philosophy from Abrahamic religion to the Hinduism, the Sanatana sure. Dharma. Thank you. Sure. Thank you. Thank you very much. I think Islam is a very serious threat. And uh, if, if you go to Delhi, the biggest digestion going on is into Sufism. A huge digestion into Sufism, very fashionable. And people are, people are sort of lost and thinking it's the same because the Sufi said this and the Sufi said that. So this person who hosts the Sufi festival in Delhi, uh, he's a Nawab something from somewhere. And so I met him. And he's talking about how this is, the, this, is, this is the real Islam. So I said, can you have the Sufi singing and the Sufi festival in the Jama Masjid? And he was stunned because it's banned, you know. Sufi music is banned in the mosques. Okay, it's, it's, you can't do it in Kaaba, you can't do it in Saudi Arabia, you can't do it in the Jama Masjid. So I said, how can this be the, the real essence of Islam if the Islamic house of worship bans it? Or is it just an export variety for Hindus to be brought in? Okay. So these are these are important questions. I do th I do spend a lot of time thinking about these. Uh, the second point was Advait, Vishisht Advait, Dvait are three major schools of Vedant. Vedant is not the only school of thought. There are other schools of thought. Okay. Now, philosophical differences is because I've had a certain enlightened experience and in my enlightened experience, I have a way, I have a way of explaining it, to expressing it to you. You had your experience and you have a different way of explaining it. Our tradition does not want to exclude or to uh, you know, say that uh, this is considered uh, blasphemy or any of that. So people are allowed to teach their experiences and it's like a free market. You can choose this thing or that thing, you know, whatever you feel like. The, uh, so I do not think, if you read my book, uh, Indra's Net, The Philosophical Unity of Hinduism, there I show 
the unity based on certain very deep concepts which are shared by all of these. Whether you are of this or that kind, you know, whether you're into bhakti only, whether you're tantra, whether you are into Kashmir Shaivism, you don't even have to be into Vedic tradition. I happen, but you, you are so many traditions that are not Vedic oriented. There are deep philosophical unifying concepts which I've explained there. I think our uh, problem is not the diversity of views and paths. The problem is the, that we are not really understanding them properly. And there's also a short-term mentality on the part of a lot of the organizations and teachers. So I think if, as people learn more, we will circumvent this issue. Because for a long time, we didn't have a problem. There's no war going on. There are people you could convert to another uh, within Vedanta kind of tradition. What is different now is that these Abrahamic religions are based elsewhere. Their power structure is based in a foreign country. They're like MNCs, multinationals, with a branch office here, and they are calling the shots from somewhere else, sending the funds, getting training, appointing you know, a branch office manager here and there, and they have a political motive. Their history of expansion, both in the case of Christianity and Islam, it was not a tradition expanding separately from the king and the ruler, but combined. It was part of imperialism, conquest, expansion. That is how the religion expanded. So the very concept is linked with political hegemony and political oppression also. That is what we are facing now. So we need to understand them on our own terms. We need to understand them. The, the, the Indian term Purva Paksha means studying the other and understanding him honestly, fairly, understanding him in such an authentic way that he will be impressed that you really understand him. Purva Paksha is a very important requirement in our tradition. Uh, the people of one Vedanta would do Purva Paksha and the other, they would do Purva Paksha with the Buddhists and Mimamsa and whatnot. So they would do Purva Paksha with the different philosophical systems within the Indian subcontinent. When the Christianity came and Islam came, we should have done Purva Paksha on them. And we should have then become very clear. So when you do Purva Paksha, you understand the other. It's like competitive analysis. That's what Purva Paksha is like. And then the response you give is called Uttar Paksh, which is your rejoinder. Your... So our ashrams and temples and centers of learning should have centers of Purva Paksh of other faiths and Uttar Paksh. And that is what I'm trying to do, but this I'm trying to get it into installed in various uh, establishments. That is the starting point of trying to protect ourselves. Jai Gurudev, I'm breaking my silence. Uh, Sir, my question is, uh, how do you see the effect of FDI on the conversation? conversion? Uh, because in South Korea, 40% uh, of the conversion happened after FDI. So how do you see that? What FDI. What, yeah. Okay. Yeah. South, well, you see, uh, South Korea went through a very rapid conversion. You know, it's very interesting, and we could people think that uh, we survive 5,000 years, this and that. That's not. We can't be so complacent. Uh, the sleeper cells of evangelists and various other kind of uh, uh, foreign excesses are very aggressive, and they've been buying a lot of land in India, training a lot of our people, and so they are they are expanding more than we think they are. I think FDI is. A separate issue one has problems with for, on its own rights. I mean, even in terms of are we selling out our assets, are we selling out the capital, we are going to all become employees 
of some foreign companies, then we might as well, it's like the East India Company used to own the business, we were just working for them. So Infosys is just an Indian shell, but it's a foreign majority owned, for example. A lot of companies are like that. So I think FDI is a separate issue uh, from uh, uh, religious uh, evangelism, because religious evangelism has its own dynamics in parallel. And I think the religious, uh, uh, religious evangelism is a very serious threat to national integrity and national security. I certainly agree with that. Now, this gentleman said very nicely, he said, because I'm in silence, I'll write down my email ID, which is very good. Uh, but, you know, I need to be able to read it. It says Z-I-T-V-U or W. I need to know. So maybe he can come and clarify later. Just write in block letters your email ID and just give it to me or your card or whatever. I would love to have it and uh, continue our dialogue further also. More questions? Uh, uh, why is it uh, that in India, calling oneself a Hindu is akin to calling oneself a fascist? Good. Why is it, why is it that uh, Hinduism is a bad word, and more so specifically in the so-called, what I term them as the pseudo-secularists? Yeah, okay. Okay, that's a good question. Uh, Hinduism is a perfectly fine term. Uh, people get into this discussion that Hinduism is a new term, it was a Persian term, or this term, or that term. And my answer is as follows. It may, it's a modern name for an ancient thing. The thing is what we're talking about, not what, how it's named. Whether you call it X, and X may have changed the name to Y, it's still the same entity. So we're, Hinduism rep, today is a name that represents very ancient philosophies, practices, meditations, yagnas, uh, bhakti traditions. The substance and content of what we call Hinduism is very ancient. And this book, Indra's Net, is basically about that continuity. And so the, the name is irrelevant. The age of the name is irrelevant to the age of the entity. You could change your name tomorrow, but it doesn't mean you didn't exist. Uh, so we should fight it on that basis. We should not get into the argument of when the name started and all. We should say the, the substance of what it means, the practices and ideas it, that it contains are very ancient. And that's what we're talking about. So I think uh, if you are clear yourself on the, 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 the ancient, the antiquity of Hinduism, what we now call Hinduism, you can defend it better. I would also say that this uh, pseudo-secular uh, uh, group in India uh, have picked on Hinduism uh, and they don't apply the same critiques and the same yardsticks to, critique, uh, to uh, take on other religions. They don't, uh, they don't do this, uh, you know, why there no women's rights in Islam and whatnot. All kind of problems uh, exist in various traditions. It's become fashionable uh, because what happened is uh, during the, the Soviet era, uh, they did a very good job of uh, infiltrating Indian educated elite into a left-wing uh, fashion. And when um, uh, Mrs. Gandhi needed support from the Communist parties for her coalition government, which they gave her, they did not ask for seats like uh, we want to be railway minister and things like that. They wanted to take, be vice-chancellors, appoint leftist vice-chancellors of universities. They wanted left-wing people to be appointed in history departments, in, in political science departments, in English departments. Uh, they wanted to be in the, in the history, uh, these, uh, uh, you know, things like CSDS and the, uh, uh, all these organizations that give grants for social sciences. They wanted to control the social sciences rather than get government ministries. It's very smart because their idea was that if we get government ministries, we can make short-term bribes and all that. 
But if we get control of the intelligentsia machinery, then 10 years, 20 years from now, we'll have a whole nation of leftist people on our ideology. Look how it worked. So today, they are getting the fruits of the investment they made in, 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 in getting into higher education. They got into higher education. So that is why, that, that is why so much uh, pseudo-leftism is out there. But, you know, I thrive on debating these people. And you should help me organize these debates, and I'll come and debate them. I, uh, recently, I had a debate with, uh, in Houston with a, a major Christian theologian. It's on YouTube. If you go to my YouTube channel... You will find it. It's a very popular YouTube. Uh, a lot of people have watched this debate. I go on looking for people that I can debate who are intelligent, who are well-informed, and we must do it on camera, and we must uh, put it on YouTube. So I'm looking for leftists all the time in India to, uh, to debate. Okay, there's one question here. Uh, what about casteism in Hinduism? Uh, okay, so as I mentioned, casteism is a serious problem. It is not. It has been linked with Hinduism, but you'll find caste in Islam in India. You'll find caste in Christianity in India. They have separate graveyards for in Christian churches in India. Uh, you have uh, 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 Ashraf and Ajraf caste in Islam. Ashraf are the castes who claim to have Turkish or Arabic blood and those kind of things. Uh, and uh, uh, those are the Ashraf and the Ajlaf are the people who are natives so they are, uh, you know, they have caste problems with them. So caste is a epidemic that has to be dealt with. Casteism, I'm saying, abusive caste is an epidemic which is not limited to a particular tradition it is, and you should not think of it as something that the Hinduism sanctioned because Hinduism have plenty of counterexamples and Varna is not the uh, same as caste. Varna is, uh, Gita says that your varna is determined by your karma. So it doesn't say it is determined by a parent's karma. Gita, I think it's 4.8 or 4.12 or something, it says that your, or it's one of those, that uh, your uh, varna is determined by your own karma. And so that is itself telling you it is my own karma and not my parent's karma which determines my varna. That's how it should be. So here's my very quick question. Um, sir, I have a secular friend who went to a yoga class and um, he refused to say Om during the class <coughs> because he did not want to be religious. And in order to humiliate the people in the class and the teacher, he actually said the reverse of it, which is more. And he had this argument with me. Um, I believe that you cannot separate Om from yoga. Um, but how do you actually have a sensible discussion about this with somebody like this who is... And where do you begin so you can make an impact I'll tell you. on the person? Good. So in my book, uh, Being Different... Uh, I take up this example of uh, Om, of yoga being digested, and I mention uh, Swami Ramdev, who was kind enough not to take it personally. I mentioned Swami Ramdev when he first visited the United States, 
in an interview, somebody asked uh, if, if a <coughs> Muslim or a Christian wants to do yoga and he is not interested, he can't do Om, what should he do? And incorrectly, in my opinion, Swami Ramdev said he can replace it with Allah or Amen or something like that. Okay, and I explained there why that is not, not true. Because Om is a vibration, Om is not a meaning, it is not a concept. It is not God or something like some Abrahamic idea of God. It's a vibration. It's a vibration which has many levels. You know, there is uh, Vakri Vak, which is the external speech. Then there is Madhyam Vak, which is in your mind when you are speaking in your mind, when you are doing a mantra secretly, privately, just to yourself as Madhyam. Then there's Pasyanti, which is deep in your unconscious, when, when you fall into the gap like uh, Sri Siji teaches you. Yeah? You fall into the gap, there's Pasyanti. And then there's para, which is a transcendence. So uh, each mantra has all these levels. And it is not the religion idea like they're talking about. It is not a, that. It is a science. It is a science where a vibration has a certain effect. And Om has a certain effect, which almond has different effect. It's like if I eat uh, one uh, you know, uh, herb, one Ayurvedic medicine, it gives me some effect. If I eat a different one, it gives me different effect. It's not that one is better or the other is worse. It's just that each produces certain effect. So Om produces an Om effect. Some other thing you do produces a different effect. So if the prescribed method is Om for a certain effect that we have studied, our rishis have studied, this, this method will lead to certain conclusions. That is what we are teaching. And we are not denying that you may have some other medicine for something else. That is not even the issue. So this is not uh, about uh, denying some other religion. It is their narrow-mindedness and it is our ignorance that we can't respond like this. It is our ignorance that we can't respond like this. And, and you know, the worst thing is when we succumb and say, okay, but why, why don't you start saying, uh, you know, uh, Amen, and why don't you start saying Allah and whatnot. We just trivialize the whole thing. And uh, I was so glad that uh, Swami Ramdev didn't... Uh, banish me or blacklist me which shows he's good guy because a lot of others when I talk like this then they don't want to see me and all that you know? in, in fact he invited me to the Asta channel we had a two hour long discussion it is on the YouTube wonderful wonderful discussion we had and he's very open about it but now he's very clear on uh, the, Hindu, the yoga is Hindu he's very clear now yeah so it's a great honor meeting you in flesh and blood. We have been following you on YouTube. Uh, two very quick questions. Uh, number one is, you know, we keep traveling the world and we have this discussion with a lot of foreign friends uh, from other religions. So if I have to give a quick two, three minute description of Hinduism, uh, you know, uh, I know it's very difficult, but if I have to give a quick introduction, what would it be? And the second question, uh, you know, I'm part of RSS, I'm part of BJP, IT cell and all these. Uh, every every cell talks the same thing, and today in your speech you talked about you know uh, uniting them. So why don't you take an initiative of, and giving them some intellectual uh, help? So two questions. <laughs> okay. So uh, and then then they told me to stop. So we, uh, what I will do is I'll respond to these online. I'll show you the method to do that. Uh, but let me respond to his questions because they're very fresh. So uh, the first one, the second one was why don't I help them? The second one is what is Hinduism in a nutshell? So if you go to uh, indrasnetbook.com, indrasnetbook.com, uh, it is uh, and also beingdifferentbook.com, 
both these books. Uh, some excerpts are there, table of contents are there, overviews are there, a lot of these discussions are there. And uh, the, this idea of how I explain dharma in a, in a, in a clean way, in a, in a simple way, as an open architecture. I call it an open architecture, which has many, many uh, things inside it, but they have to conform to this open architecture. There are certain rules. You cannot be, uh, you cannot be uh, somebody who's trying to sabotage the architecture. Like in an internet, you can have lots of diversity. They are welcome, but they have to practice mutual respect. Otherwise, they're sabotaging, and then you have a, uh, what do they call these clean uh, antiviruses that will get rid of those guys. So Hinduism ha is like an open architecture web or network, which has always invited lots of uh, different kinds of thinking. But in this description that uh, you can read, I explain what is the common properties, what are the common qualities that these different things must have in order to be members of this uh, very loose open architecture. And this keeps us flexible, it keeps us mobile, it, it allows us to change, and so on. Now, the, the second, so please do read that. The second question is why don't I do something to unite? The point is they have to invite me, I can't just sort of force myself in. And these things, these organizations are very uh, conscious about their boundaries, their leaders, and they don't want an outsider to come, maybe, you know. Now, Sri Siddhi is so confident, he says, okay, Rajiv, come give a talk. Now, a lot of others are not like that. They're, not, they're scared, they're threatened, they don't know what to yeah. Because, you see, you are smart enough, you are sufficiently grounded, you are sadhaks, and so you can figure things out, and you, can, you have a mind of your own, you can decide. And that's, that makes you even stronger. And that is what a healthy organization would be like. But not every organization is like that. It wouldn't be right for me to go and push myself in. And the political ones are even worse. They're so much turf conscious. Very turf conscious. This is a serious problem we have. So that is, that is uh, where we are. What I want to say is this: Please leave your email ID. The following will happen. When I get back to the U.S., which is March one, I'll have somebody type all this, and we will put it. You will get an invite to Rajiv Malhotra discussion. You have to click and say yes. You have to. Otherwise, you can't be in. If you are in it, then you are part of the daily satsang. These questions and many others like this across the spectrum we are addressing. And I, I want to close by thanking all of you for taking the time. And